This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We are joined by Pete Sampson from The Athletic. I was on the baseball beat uh, this weekend, and you guys were at Irish Invasion on Sunday. want to throw it over to you guys, uh, your impressions, and obviously CJ Carr is at the, the forefront of our discussion here. Yeah, I mean, you got to – man. I uh, CJ Carr – is not going to blow you away physically um, just in terms of an athlete, but you know, the ball comes out quick and this it spins and it doesn't flutter. And, you know, O'Malley and I were joking, like if he was throwing to a receiver who was number 88, the receiver could be like, okay, when I run an out route, I like the ball on the outside eight in the upper right side <laughs> and car would be like, cool. Got it. No problem. Um, and I say, I realize this is kind of like a loaded comparison. So hear me out, but he reminded me of Jimmy Clausen in terms of just how efficient everything is. He's more mobile than him. He's, he's less robotic, but it's just, everything is the same every time. Uh, and that, that is what um, makes for a great college-ready quarterback prospect. Yeah, he's less robotic, but everything is repeated properly all the time. We watched some a couple other guys had good arms, and as Pete kind of mentioned, he's like, look how long it takes to get ready to get to that good arm. It's just it. This is just you look out there, and there was the major college quarterback prospect. And then some 2024 and 2025 kids. In fairness to them, there's 2025 kids out there. We shouldn't be comparing them to CJ Carr. But he was, it was, it was clear who CJ Carr was if you didn't know who he was. It was also clear who he was where he just decided I don't need to run in the fastest camp. <laughs> I'm gonna go hang out with my family. I thought that part was kind of funny. Yeah, he's it, it's central casting quarterback prospect rising senior. It's I would say, well, and that's I was just say, like O'Malley and I were talking. If you said CJ Carr was a 23 prospect of 2023, right. That you would have fit there too. Yeah. But you're just saying physically needs a little bit of development because, you know, I don't think, I don't think I realized just how much physical development Clawson needed He's bigger until than he got it. He's yeah. Yeah. He's longer. He's longer yeah, than him. Yeah. And yeah. Um, well, that's meant more Pete. Didn't you kind of mean more? He doesn't blow you away physically. I think he's well put together. and looks like a college ready quarterback with a year of growth. Um, yes. Yeah. He wasn't. The, the a, he Klaus, was, there were some skinny guys there, and he wasn't one of the skinny ones. No, it's like the Clawson comparison has much more to do with like how everything is repeated at a incredibly high level. Um, that that's really rare. And I think what, uh, of course, what provides excitement with your analysis here is that yeah. uh, Tom <laughs> Loy and, and, and Steve Wilfong from twenty four seven have projected, have put a crystal ball out there for Notre Dame with CJ Carr. Um, Pete, you're, I, I mean, do you have any insight at, into that part of it? Um, I think I've mentioned here, like he was, he, he's number one on their board for that class um, over, you know, like I think it's uh, Rayola, the kid from Phoenix area who committed to Ohio state, like Notre Dame likes Carr more. Um, you know, it's like, is he going to commit imminently? I don't know. Um, but I would say that the body language of Marcus Freeman and CJ Carr together was notable. The amount of time CJ Carr's family spent talking to Notre Dame's coaches. I mean, heck, 
Tommy Reese's girlfriend was there talking to CJ Carr's mom. Like it's a, a, a <laughs> it's a very high touch, uh, high engagement recruitment happening right there. It felt yeah. the, the interactions to me spoke more of a recruitment that it may be closer to the end than the beginning. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, and when we say central casting, it's, it's both tongue in cheek, but not at all. <laughs> if that's possible. I mean, it is, it is, you know, who the celebrity there was during the drills. Yeah. He knows who the celebrity there was during the drills. You know, when and, you guys, when you sorry. guys say that he's on, like, he's on time and, and repeatable, I, I, that's what I saw on film of him. Yeah. Now, when you see him in person, we all realize it in person and film are two different things. Any coach will, will tell you that, but it's, I think that's obvious in both, in both cases. And then as far as the repeatability, I think, you know, I, I think that was one of the great things about Jack Cohn that we ended up seeing over the course of 13 games. We wouldn't have said that, you know, six games into it, but over the course of 13 games, I think that was a very repeatable throwing motion, the timing of everything. Uh, he was about a 70% passer by the end of the season. Uh, what makes him, what makes him better than Jack Cohn? I would imagine a little bit more mobility. I would think more, a lot more mobility and Jack Cohn wouldn't have been this as a junior. True. No, true. Yep. He would have looked a lot more like the other kids we saw. Right. Right. So you're, so you're saying what you see in CJ Card now is comparable to what we saw Jack Cohn, the 22 year old. Yeah. Later in the year when he was about that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good stuff. What else? Uh, other impressions from the Irish invasion, guys? So, one-on-ones was obviously the next thing that you could focus on. Like, I don't know about Pete. I think Pete was with me most of the time. I didn't. I didn't go down to the offensive lineman. I was going to let Harry Heastan handle that for the yeah. uh, budding offensive lineman. He was on hand for everything. Um, I really like, and I can only describe him as an athlete or running back or modern slot receiver. I really like Aeneas Williams. I assume I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's spelled differently. And I, who his namesake is in Aeneas Williams, but just so quick out of his break, low center of gravity um, and really sure handed. I don't think you can look at a camp, a guy catching a ball, running routes and think, boy, that's an aggressive, gritty football player when no one's guarding him. But that's what I thought when I looked at him. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's just, he, well, if he, if he attacks the football, if he attacks the football, yeah, absolutely. I liked, so I liked him as a football player. I'm not, he is short. I mean, he's like, he's probably a little taller than Kyron Williams, but he doesn't look that much taller next to the tall wide receivers. So it's probably a hard point of comparison because he was with them. Uh, I, the DB Caleb Beasley from Nashville oh, yeah, was really good. It was not, I don't want to pretend like it was Michael Floyd and Chase Claypool and Golden Tate that he was covering. Um, but, you know, I think he had some matchups with the receiver from Chicago. Yeah. Um, and really, I thought he dominated his one-on-road reps. You know, Cam Williams was like he was good, um, but man, he was—he uh, looked like um, all like everybody in the SEC is ultimately going to offer this guy, and for good reason. Um, just a really dominant player. We called him the mirror. By the time we were walking out, he could literally just mirror the wide receivers' movement. I, I was going to say I saw yeah. some video and his ability to jump routes. Oh yeah, uh, you know it's pretty, it's really really impressive. Anybody else you guys want to talk about before we move on to other topics? Well, not surprisingly, we did both like at it. See, now we didn't really have a roster, 
And of course, we're trying to learn these players because they're 2024 and, and Pete and I don't fully cover recruiting when we're going through it either. So we both said at one point, who is that guy? And it was Mylon Graham, the Ohio State uh, offer from Fort Wayne at wide receiver. So not shockingly, that was the guy that also stood out to us. And you see his offer list, it says Ohio State. They know uh, how to do Jack, receivers too. Yeah, Jack Larson was the tight end who has an offer from North All Carolina. Right. Um Probably speaks more to the incredibly high bar Notre Dame has at tight end. We were just like, okay, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he a good polished, player. right? Also polished, like just looked yeah. like he would be ready to play. Good soon. player. Um, di- didn't necessarily blow, didn't blow me away physically, but a good player. Yeah, I mean, he looked like a pretty good. I mean, pretty good route runner. Gets off the line of scrimmage pretty well. And he's got a, some. And you know, when you add the length to it, then. At that at that position now, now you've got something. Yeah, and I have a few more notes if you want to subscribe to Irish Illustrated, as Tim Priester would say, and you can read them in the first four Monday musings. <laughs> I don't there. say that. I don't say that enough. I don't even remember the last time I said it. Although I did have a, it was reunion weekend at Notre Dame this weekend. I did have a, a speaking engagement with uh, one of the older classes, and and uh, the gentleman that 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 brought me in must have said five times what is that again irishillustrate.com so jack i think we're going to get a going to get a little act, activity from my my weekend speaking <laughs> engagement but uh let's move on to, to uh, a little nordic basketball nate lashevsky the long awaited decision i mean he he took it to the the 11th hour there's no doubt about it and you know i was told in the process as, as we were talking consistently about transfers and transfer portal and and, and grad transfers that nate lashevsky was the Notre Dame coaching staff's number one recruit under the circumstances. And it took a, it took a while. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I he, he's not a game breaker. He's not somebody like that, but in, in Notre Dame system, Oh, he, uh, he, he was, he had, they had to have him yeah. back, especially since they struck out in the portal. I mean, they had, they, I, I'm not, I would imagine they still can get somebody like Pete Nance who would be really a welcome addition uh, but they needed Lashesky, and, and and I think you know I said this, I wrote this. I mean, Lashesky should really, really benefit from the entire process that he went through, where he was, you know, working yes. out for you know he had pro pro uh, coaches and scouts watching him. I would think that we would see, and we saw evidence of him being a much more mature and consistent player at the end of last season. I think this would take him another step. I think that's a great point. I, I remember seeing it. This is a little different because he played on the U.S. select team, so we got to practice against a lot of guys. Uh, Tim Abramitis, before he tore his ACL, when he came back, looked like a much different mm-hmm. basketball player and a future pro-European player playing for Notre Dame. Um, or like a European player that was playing on Notre Dame's team. I should just put it that way. He was already there, and we only got to see two games of it. But I, I would like to – now, Abramitis is a better athlete than Lashevsky, but that's a great point, Tim. You should see a different Nate Lashevsky. And improved. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I mean, they need it, right? I mean, it's got to be an elite. It can't be a complimentary player anymore. No, he has get better to... like Goodwin did. Dane Goodwin's improvement yeah. from last That's year to this call. year would be great for Nate Lashevsky from this year to next. Somebody said, somebody on our message board said that they thought Lashevsky could be a 15.10 rebound a game guy. 15. I don't think. Or, huh? 15. 15, I think points. But yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't know that he, he's a really good defensive rebounder. I don't know that he's proven it as a, as an yeah. offensive rebounder. Whatever. I mean, numbers 15 and eight would be 16 and nine would be, would be just great. But you know, and and we saw Nate Lashevsky play for four years, and a lot of times, 
his greatest issue was just not having a full belief and confidence in himself. That he could do something great. And that's why I think the experience that he went through will, will be beneficial to him. I do want to mention um, longtime Notre Dame uh, sports information director. And really, as I was telling you guys, the godfather of Notre Dame football, uh, when, when I was just breaking into the, the industry, Roger Valdeseri, the passing of Roger Valdeseri at the age of 95, I saw a lot of condolences and I certainly join in those, but it has been rough for Roger Valdeseri the last few years. And so when I hear somebody like that, that's 95 years old and has gone through what he's gone through, it's a blessing for the family that he's passed on to a, to, to a better life. And, you know, as I explained to you guys, and I've told this to our subscribers before, when I broke into the industry, as I said, Roger Valdeseri ruled it. And, um, we were an interloper. I, you know, I, I was originally with Go Irish and then Blue and Gold Illustrated. And there was suddenly an outlet besides the South Bend Tribune, which Nordame had, you know, in their back pocket pretty much with Joe Doyle. Uh, and there was this independent publication and this uh, know-it-all 22, 23-year-old new editor to, to, to Blue and Gold Illustrated that had a lot of opinions to express. And that kind of cut into... Uh, to, to the way Notre Dame ran things. And so, you know, it wasn't always, it, it wasn't always a smooth relationship with Roger, but as we got to know each other and he understood where I was coming from and I understood, stood his perspective. He's a great man. I mean, just an absolute great man. That was a leader of the Notre Dame athletic department and, and the football football department. My, uh, my colleague at Matt Fortuna over at the athletic two years ago did sort of a uh, interviewed Roger. And oh, that's right. He did. did yeah. A, did a seven life lessons uh, from Roger Valdeser column that we sort of republished and, and updated and edited um, and ran last week, but it's, it was pretty enlightening um, just sort of get his perspectives on just sort of life, but through the prism of, you know, the industry that we're in. Right. Um, and I was, if I would encourage you, if you want to know more about him, um, it was a good read. And I, I want to give a shout out to, <laughs> former colleague of ours, uh, Dan Murphy, uh, who was at Blue and Gold, now at ESPN, who had a great tweet uh, that said, tonight there's a heated argument uh, in yes. whatever version of the good place you believe in. Loose Emoji and Roger are back on the mics debating whether Leahy or Parsegian had the better offensive mind. And if history serves, God love them. They've both forgotten to hit record again. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I did see that. And, you know, I mean, Roger was – I, I put out a tweet just about, about him personally, but professionally, he was an innovator, man. I mean, you know, Joe Theismann put out a tweet saying he literally changed the spelling or the, I'm sorry, the pronunciation of Joe Theismann to Theismann. So it would rhyme with Heisman. He fell a little bit short, uh, largely, maybe largely because they lost the last game at USC, but uh but he put him in a running. Theismann had a tremendous final season in 1970. But uh, imagine that NIL deal. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. I, anyway, um, all due all due respect to Roger uh, Valdesaria Grudo to to like him and and love him, and uh, he was a mentor to a ton of people, and uh, he'll be missed. But he's much better off than from the condition that he was in here for the last couple of years. Uh, Tim, Stefan Tewitt retired. Uh, I, I know that you've been uh, seeking an opportunity to speak with him. He has not spoken with the media since the passing of his brother in a car accident last June. But uh, I don't know how much that caught people by surprise because, 
his personal life was tremendously impacted here in the last year. Yeah, and he there was a lot of just kind of looking back at Steelers writers and even some Steelers teammates saying, "No, he's you know he I I think he'll come back. He's in good shape. He's working out to come back." So I think it got everybody by a little bit of surprise that he retired. But when you put all the pieces together, um, I guess in retrospect, it's not surprising, but it caught people by surprise. But that's you look back and to it in 2012. Probably the best single season. It's either him or Foskey last year since Tuck at the position. Um, and to it played the last he played every game after the Stanford game with a sports hernia that required surgery. So he did all of that after the Stanford game playing through it. Cause they had no reserves of course, in, in that back then. And uh, he was a heck of a player that sophomore year. He was a dominant football player. And, and one of the fun ones to watch, like we were, we were, I remember in September, he just all of a sudden like, man, this guy is way ahead of schedule. <laughs> he was a, he was a heck of a player out there for the Irish. And of course people remember more when he gained weight um, and was, was a good player uh, going into his junior year. His fumble return against Navy in Ireland remember, remains one of the scariest sights uh, I have seen in 22 years covering Notre Dame football. Scary, scary. Uh, what you didn't want to be in the way, or you didn't yeah, think you'd make like, it all the way get out of the way. <laughs> like we we're up in the Aviva Stadium press box, and I felt like I needed to like lean back in my chair just to make sure I didn't get run over, even though I was 55 yards away from the guy. Another memorable moment, and I do want to speak to this: the, the sophomore season that you're speaking about, Tim was when neither him nor Lynch played against, uh, yeah. against Michigan yeah. Yeah, as freshmen, that was a, that, that created quite a stir. Um, just cause Denard Robinson was there. You think that would, <laughs> that would have helped those athletes might help a little bit. There's... Yeah. I, you mentioned that Foskey's year last year, I would choose to it's yeah, as more pre- because he was the guy, you know, I mean, we live in a different era of football now that, you know, Foskey would be replaced by Justin Adam Alola. You know, they shared the spot a lot of times, but it was, it was to it. And uh, he, he was just from like a physically overwhelming perspective. It kind of reminded I'm not, again, I'm not saying this is who he was, but it kind of reminded me of Ross Browner when he came to Notre Dame and just like, good Lord, the physical dominance. You just don't see that, that type of player at Notre Dame, or you hadn't seen that type of player on a regular basis. So we uh, obviously wish, Stefan too at the butt best and uh, hope that uh, Tim O'Malley can get in touch with him or, or they can put him in touch yeah. with, uh, with, with Tim O'Malley. Cause we'd like to get that story. I want to end segment one to talk a little bit about Notre Dame baseball, Notre Dame. They only scored 11 runs this weekend in, in three games, but they only gave up seven. And um, so they won the Statesboro regional defeating Texas tech twice which is no small feat because Texas tech has been to the college world series for the last eight years. And, uh, and, and they're a college powerhouse, but Notre Dame diffused them. Texas tech didn't hit, they didn't hit well against Notre Dame. They didn't hit well in their other two games that they played either, but Notre Dame's pitching staff was outstanding. A freshman came in, Jack Finley, a left-hander who is nothing but a strike thrower. He was all year, yeah. but they had not put him in that critical situation on Saturday night. He recorded the last six outs of the game, came in in the eighth with first and third no outs and got out of that and then did it again uh, in, in the ninth inning and then and came in last night and and uh, was outstanding. He, he got the final out against a guy that is probably um, – Bowl was uh, hot too. I J- mean, Jace yeah. Young, who yeah. is, going, is probably going to be a top 10 or 12 
pick in the major league draft. He got a, yeah, he got a big hopper to the first baseman, which, uh, you know, you worry about that bouncing over the first baseman's head, but you quickly realize that it's ball game. Uh, but you know, Notre Dame is just now they have to go play Tennessee. Um, we got a question on that too. We have a question on that and I'll get in, I'll get into that matchup briefly in segment two, but, um, how many times can I say that that Link Jarrett is just absolutely amazing? It's just the 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 belief of his team to to accept any situation and and, and just handle it. And you know, Alex Real, one of their uh, their big one of their burly right handers who came in didn't wasn't effective yesterday, but was on Friday. He was at the press conference after the game on Friday, and he said, "You know, we just we all want that situation. There's no none of us are scared to go in that." situation and that's directly tied to link Jarrett. I mean, he's created that kind of thing. So um, I'll be going to um, Knoxville coming up here in a couple of days to see if Notre Dame can work their way to the, the college world series segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Irish fans. Listen up. Summer is here and with it, good times and celebration. And what better way to celebrate than with fireworks shipped straight to your door located just 15 minutes from campus. OC Fireworks offers one of the largest online selections of fireworks for all your needs. Graduations, family reunions, gender reveals, sporting events, and of course, Independence Day. Visit OCFireworks.com for shipping details and be sure to use promo code IRISH on checkout for your special gift. This is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We call it Burning Up the Boards. And we start with a question from IC Gold. Let's say Notre Dame lands Jason Moore. Jason Moore, the defensive lineman, which five-man group do you like better and which will have the bigger impact on Notre Dame? The 2021 offensive line recruits, which includes Blake Fisher, Joe Alt, Spindler, Coogan, and Caleb Johnson, or the 2023 defensive line class of Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon, Bubakar Traor, Devin Houston, and then Jason Moore? Um. Bird in the hand gives me two first-round draft picks on the offensive line, but if you're going to speculate that much, it also gives me two guys that will never start a game at Notre Dame. Uh, and then Spindler's right in the middle. So I am going to go with the defensive line, even though I'm breaking my own rules, because if you look at it this way, you asked this question a year and a half ago, it'd be like, well, Spindler's a possible first-round draft pick, but you wouldn't have said alt. So bird in the hand is tough to ignore, but I really like that five on the defensive line. I I will go bird in the hand with the offensive line, but I compl- I understand the temptation <laughs> yep. and the reasoning yep. behind going defensive line um, just because we know Fisher and Alt are legit. Isn't there, there's, there's, there's always a temptation to pick a recruiting class. Cause we don't, yes. we but, don't know. Yeah. There, there are no skeletons, you know, in but, defense of my stupidity with picking the ones that doesn't have two first round draft picks. You can actually get contributions from five defensive linemen in a class. I don't mean to signal out the 2016 group because that's ridiculous that they all made the NFL, but you never get five contributions from offensive linemen. And you're, you know, you just, nor do you need it, nor do you need it, nor do you need it, but you do you, if you get five from the defensive line, that usually makes for a great junior and senior year for those guys. So that is my only defense of not taking Alton Fisher (laughs) right now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I agree. I think Fisher and all their future first round draft choices in two years, but Man, I look at that defensive line and and um, 
you know, obviously Keon Keeley is a, is a tremendous stud. And I, yeah, right. well, if Fisher and I'll go pro in two years, then the defensive line is going to win. Cause Notre Dame didn't get enough out of their players. They only well, got that's two, years. <laughs> two years of good offensive line. Play. That, that's true. And, and I, you know, Trey is the guy that I just really think, and not that he's a sleeper. I mean, he's a, he's a four-star, but I don't know that I, I don't know that people in general look at him. Well, I don't think they look at him the way I do. I think he's just, I think he's going to be a tremendous player. I, I love Devin Houston. Probably the guy that I have, well, maybe the two guys I have the greatest questions about are, are Vernon, who I, I love, but, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the guy that commits really early and then you get, you bring other guys in like this, you know, like when you're trying to rank them and stuff, they kind of go move a notch or two down and more because I, you know, I'm, I, more plays end, but is probably going to end up on the inside. But to cut to the chase, I I, I choose the defensive line, even though knowing that that Fisher and all are going to be. Now I don't know. I mean, maybe Keon Keeley's a first round draft choice. I don't know that any of the other four defensive linemen are. <coughs> but we'll find out. It's a good problem to have, and it just accentuates that the strength of Notre Dame football continues to be the offensive line and the defensive line. Yeah, yeah. and what keeps them from winning national titles is skill position talent. And that's where they are right now. Irish from a two, you have to choose one. Who would you take Dante Moore, or CJ Carr, Q Pete Sampson's answer about not paying attention to the question. <laughs> I mean, there is, there's the both. Um, but how about that? How about, uh, can I amend it and say CJ Carr reclassifies 2023 <laughs> and I'll, I'll go with CJ Carr. Is that going to happen? Hmm. Seems, I mean, it's pretty complicated. Yeah, it always seems unlikely, happen. but it's not. But right. I'm just We're saying, if, yeah. if you'd said, if if this was a Vizina more, but we're talking about Carr or more, and they're both 23s, um, Carr seems a little, a lot more straightforward at this point, and yeah. it's getting later in the But you're adding the, cycle. you're adding the outside the talent and you're adding the how all of a sudden how recruitments are being handled to Dante Moore, right? Well, because I don't think because I will Notre Dame will never will Notre Dame ever stop recruiting Dante Moore. I mean, even if he signs with Notre Dame, yeah, I know. Even if he, I, well, I think there's a chance we talked about this yesterday. To, we and, talked about this yesterday at Invasion. Like you have to what? Let's say all right. I talked about this on our podcast or Monday Musings. Dante Moore comes in, top right quarterback of the class. Tyler Buckner has a breakout year next year. Dante Moore is going to have to watch Tyler Buckner or be part of a package. Let's say Tyler Buckner is not quite good enough to be a first round draft pick in the NFL. And he comes back for a senior year. Redshirt freshman Dante Moore or sophomore Dante Moore is sitting and watching him again. In the yeah. era we live in. I mean, what? that's not even like that's so far from likely. But if just take it at face value, I would go Dante Moore over CJ Carr. But maybe not when you add all these uh, outside influences. No, I would too. I mean, just just pure physical talent. I, I would choose Dante Moore, but if you tell me that Nordame, you know, Nordame is going to get CJ Carr, I think he's going to have a one way or another is going to have a brilliant career. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, you just well, it's 20 times safer to choose CJ Carr in this. It would it would seem like it. Yeah. It would, I, I, although again, he's not verbally committed yet, or at least not publicly verbally committed. No, either. neither's more. I'm, so, that's who would you take? Neither's more. I mean, I just think it's safe. Yeah. I just think it's safer to have. I agree. It's a, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, Murphy 324, how do you feel about an over-under of 1,500 all-purpose yards for Chris Tyree? What will he need to do to become an indispensable player for Notre Dame? 
I would say I feel exceptionally far under that total, unless you're including uh, like kick return yards, which I kind of don't anymore in those. But uh, he might be, that's no, I think he is. And I've got some numbers that includes, includes that too. With kick returner. I mean, I think he'll have a great year again, returning kick. He'll, he'll break one. He'll have a couple of good ones. And I'd still say under though. I don't think he's getting 1500 all purpose yards. I would he, agree with everything O'Malley said there. It's like, I think he'll have a good year. 1500 like in a roger craig old school 49ers way like is great that's a crazy number but um if you put kick returns in there yeah i think you probably that's a that's a reasonable figure okay putting kick returns in along with rushing and receiving last year he had 222 yards rushing which we we certainly expect that to go up he had 56 touches he'll get more 258 receiving on 24 catches that will likely go up 377 yards on kick returns, 13 returns. The number of returns probably won't go up. And so he had a total of 827 yards. I think 1,500 is uh, a little bit. No one on the roster is getting it. Right. It's it's unreasonable from the standpoint that there's just too many touches to go around. Uh, Plus, he has to stay healthy. He has to show he can break tackles. He has to show he's a guy that deserves more than, let's see, he had 80 touches. So he would have had 100 last year if he was healthy. Kyron Williams was still taking him. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he needs more than that this year, though, for Notre Dame. They need him. They definitely need him. From need a turnover, has Eli Raritan's ACL recovered to the point where you see him actually getting some snaps this year? Well, we saw him. We were talking about this last week where he was doing the 315-pound cleans. Um, I wouldn't think that he would be doing those coming off of ACL if he wasn't physically in a position to do that. I think he's way ahead of schedule. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to compare. I think Jer- I just thought of Jared Patterson. I think Jared Patterson, once again, as he was coming off of his Liz Frank injury, is ahead, ahead. of schedule. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, you know, it's only, it's early June. There is, it's, it's three months before they play a game. I think Eli Raritan is going to be fine and will play. I, I guess I would want to see, just see him be a good practice player first. I mean, you know, with Mayer and Bauman, um, you know, Evans, Evans, like they're, they're set, like. Raritan could have a could be ready to go and not play, um, not because of the ACL, but just like Notre Dame doesn't need a fourth tight end. But um, I know I know they're very high on him. I just kind of hard to see like you know recover to the point where he could play, but that doesn't mean he would. It's hard yeah, to reconcile too uh, injury plus non early enrollment. If this is a totally different world, he never got injured and he enrolled early. We'd probably be talking about Eli. Oh, no doubt. I don't think there's any doubt. Through. Yeah, you know, Bauman Bauman has had injury issues and he he tweaked a knee in the blue goal game. So you know, he's he obviously is going to have to stay healthy. Michael Mayer. Um, he has to stay healthy. Too. Yeah, yeah, he has to stay healthy too. And I know they love they love Mitchell. I mean, their situation at tight end. Is really good. Pete, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't, I think if Eli Raritan is healthy, they get him on the field. Uh, you know, I don't, in a different, I mean, probably not necessarily in any kind of uh, significant or extended blocking responsibilities, more as a, more as a pass catcher. I've thrown out that notion of 
splitting him out uh, because he is wide receiver like or he's he's a boundary receiver like as a tight end so uh, but it uh, you know everything that we've seen and heard is very very promising that he's well ahead of schedule uh, question from Wash ND if Tyler Butner is everything Nordame expects him to be and Nordame suffers no major injuries to starters what is Nordame's ceiling in 2022 considering their schedule what is their floor so they have one exceptionally difficult game, three hard games, and two tricky games, right? BC and North at North Carolina being in the, the tricky. Yeah, I, I think North Carolina may it's take at, a step a, back. It's or, at a team no, I, I agree. Yeah. And they, they got rid of Jay Bateman. So and hired Gene Chiswick. <laughs> and hired Gene Chiswick. So you know defensively they're going to be far ahead of the nonsense that's been going on in, in Chapel Hill the last couple of years defensively. <laughs> I, I added those up just because I still think 11-1 is the ceiling. Um, and so then if Tyler Buckner's everything Notre Dame expects him to be, so the, the coaching staff. Um, All right, so he throws for 2,800 2, yards, 27 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and rushes for 550 yards. I, I still that, think 11-1 is the ceiling because okay. I not get no. you to 11-1. and one. Yeah. No, it might, it might not. And that's, I mean, what do you think of those numbers? That's, would you take those right now? You'd take those right now, wouldn't you? They would take it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Give me as long as it's 12 starts. Right. Right. Um, You know, I, I tend to do it 11 and one being the ceiling. I tend to lean toward that. It might, it might actually even be 10 and two, although, I think the defense has a chance to be really good. Yeah, if you're giving me if you're giving me six Buckner games where he's healthy against the six teams I just referenced, yeah. then and we haven't even. Fine. I mean, a lot of this Buckner's success is contingent upon the wide receiver core, largely, and we don't have any idea what what that's going to be. Now, if you have a healthy, you know, Lindsey Davis Styles all season, and and Lindsey's. Uh, stringing successful performances back to back on a weekly basis, you know, but I think a lot of that is just contingent upon. Uh, so if Buckner's very good, what's their floor? I don't know. Eight and four. So a lot of go wrong. To do yeah, that I would say yeah. if Buckner's very nine good, that means a wide receiver core comes yeah. together. I would say nine and three. That's what I think too. Yeah. Rex Hampton eight. I was too young to remember this, but was there anywhere close to the amount of momentum and excitement when Bob Davey was promoted to replace Lou Holtz as there is for Marcus Freeman? What was the pulse of Andy nation at this time? And I am going to go ahead and step away from the microphone and uh, to avoid shouting. Well, this, it makes, it makes me laugh because I remember we knew that we knew that Lou Holtz was, this was going to be his last year. And I went to a, uh, Remember that Knights of Columbus, just south of, uh, oh, yeah. On Eddie? of yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, the, no, the Knights of Columbus just south of uh, Memorial hospital. No. Okay. But I know. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> I went, I went to speak and you know, we knew Holtz was, was retiring. I went to speak on a Friday night before a home game. I don't know what the game was. And you know, it was a, it was a, it was kind of a rowdy crowd because they had been drinking and there's a home, a home game. And, so, you know, I'm there and well, what are they going to do about head coach? And I said, well, I, they're going to hire Bob Davey as you the head coach. You are always the bearer of bad news, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to hire Bob Davey as the head coach. And I got 
booed like I just missed a layup at the buzzer to lose the game. I like mean, you, like you hired him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you just suggested there's going to be a Brian Kelly statue on Notre Dame's campus. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I, you know, again, <laughs> social media. I mean, there was no like to measure the, how is it? Right. Phrased? You the, you, the excitement to, and momentum and everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, there's no way to measure it back then the way you can now, which was, you know, palpable when it, when, you know, yeah. Freeman's name came up, but, you know, and I would have thought, I actually, I mean, I would have thought people would have kind of been excited about that. A young defensive coordinator done great things at, at A&M, but, um, you know, the person, I, I don't know how well Nordane fans knew the personality of Bob Davey at that time when he was still defensive coordinator. I don't know, but it wasn't my <laughs> recollection of it, at least on that one night, but just in general, it was not, I mean, Marcus Freeman's been universally accepted by Nordane fans, and that wasn't the case with Bob Davey. No. And, uh, I had one coach that I wanted, I uh, as a recent Notre Dame graduate at the time. And his name was not Bob Davey. I just didn't want Bob Davey and that's who they hired. So I feel the opposite of everything involved in this question. Well, that was wh- my one request. And why did, and why Bob did, Davey. okay. Why nothing, did you feel that way? Well, it's going to sound bad for now, but there was nothing that suggested that the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame for two years and the defense was just fine, but not as good as previous defenses Right, was right. going to step in and replace Lou Holtz as an adequate Notre Dame coach. And remember our expectations were high back then for Notre Dame football as well as they are now, but I would just, I was, I was shocked when it happened. And you have to also think like, you know, Willingham wasn't their first choice when they went, when they got Tyrone Willingham, Charlie Weiss wasn't absolutely the first choice when they got Charlie Weiss. Right. So Bob Davey was like, just, that was the choice. And it was, it was surprising to me. And then his uh, first off season uh, was not pretty. No. And then, <laughs> no, it was not. And then, you, I mean, you also had the, the Notre Dame faction that they wanted Tom Clements and, but Tom is so, is so low key that that would have been accepted because he was Tom Clements and everybody loved yeah. Tom Clements, the player, the way most people dislike Tommy Reese, the quarterback. So they had their mind made up about some people had their mind made up about Tommy Reese, the, the OC. Um, I mean, Reese threw a very nice fade route, by the way, to explain how to do it to CJ Carr yesterday. Did he? he can yep. still, he can yep. still wing it, man. He can still wing it, but he's a pup, so he should be able to. Uh, I'll ask the question and answer it uh, from A. Camperoni. Uh, can you give us a breakdown of the upcoming Super Regional at Tennessee? Notre Dame is walking into a, a juggernaut situation at Lindsey Nelson Stadium in Knoxville. Tennessee is 56-7, and seven, I believe, is their record, which, which is phenomenal for baseball. But did you hear the Oklahoma – softball team is like 54 and two no that's great that's pitching i mean my god you don't have to have a rotation as deep in softball so yeah the tennessee's baseball team is i I just use the word universally but universally the hands down number one seed going into the baseball tournament this year they have 150 homers in 60 some games um you know they've got i mean i just real quickly throw some numbers out they're they're, they're cleanup hitters hitting 373 with 11 homers and 70 RBIs. And they're five hitters hitting 363 with 21 homers and 80 RBIs. Um, you know, and because they're 56 and seven, they got a pitcher that's nine and oh, and two of that are eight and one with ERAs in the low twos. They're really good. I, you know, I, 
I don't, I'm not sure how Notre Dame wins two out of three in, in Knoxville, but I put nothing past Link Jarrett because he's phenomenal. But um, this is a tall task for, for anybody, and, and that's why I've got to be there because I think it's going to be something that, that I'll remember for the rest of my life. So um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. I know that Notre Dame has to hit a lot better than they hit this weekend because 11 runs in three games against Tennessee yeah. is not going to get it done no matter how well Notre Dame pitches. And Notre Dame pitched extremely well this past weekend. Question from Jay Seiler, 13. How would an early commitment from C.J. Carr or Julian Sayan affect your feelings about the 2023 quarterback recruiting? Does it take some pressure off? Yeah, that's what we talked about, um, much to the chagrin of one of our message board posters. I believe it was Hanratty 5 when I said if they don't get Dante Moore, but they get Julian Sane and Priest for you pumped in or CJ Carr, does it take some of the pressure off? Yes, it does, because that's exactly what it does. It takes some of the pressure off. Uh, it doesn't help unless there's a reclassification. Unlikely, it doesn't help in a game this year but or next year, but it's uh, takes a little pressure off just getting a top quarterback. It takes a lot of recruiting pressure off Tommy Reese and the questions we get asked. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. It would sort of change the perspective. I mean, you gotta you gotta go every other year with this level of quarterback recruiting, and this would be starting that a two year gap. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you need to only have a one year gap, but it's better than better than not. Like you don't have a three year gap. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, sort of where the future of everything is going if you have a somebody like CJ Carr committed. So that's. It would, it would be very, very significant. Remember when uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked a question and I think you guys, I let you guys eventually change my public opinion about it, but it was a question about if they don't get Dante Moore, will it ruin the incoming class? Um, and, and this is exactly why I hesitated because let's say Tyler Buckner is healthy all year and emerges and is really good and puts that together for two years, which can happen because he was a highly rated yes, that's quarterback. That's a dual threat. They can do a lot of good things for you with his arm and his feet. Well, then, you know, I wouldn't exactly say that the, the, the 2023 class would be a failure because they didn't get Dante Moore because they were able to bridge the gap somehow. So that that's kind of what I had in mind when I was saying that. Um, yeah. I mean, long-term, it certainly would make things better short-term, not so much, but um, again, that's the, that's the environment and the day and the age that we live in now. And, and uh, these are the kind of things that you have to fight, fight against. Next from Denver Maximus, who among the rest of the incoming freshman class has the best potential to become a part of the rotation this fall besides Merriweather? Anyone <laughs> in particular you are looking most forward to seeing? And I assume he is not including any of the early entries because otherwise it's pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, because we all would have talked about, uh, Mickey, Jaden yep. Mickey, which by the way, there was some question. I like, I started talking about Jaden Mickey last week and kind of made it sound like, Oh, well, he had already surpassed Ryan Barnes and, and, uh, Philip Riley and, and chance Tucker. And that, I mean, that, that's not what we were saying, but we never met. I never mentioned those guys. So it, it, it sounded like that. Nobody's told us that other than we know that they love Jaden Mickey. Uh, but as far as, you know, and of course, Jadarian Price, and we, we all love him. He was an early entry guy. And then it's after really, that, I mean, you know, after, I mean, maybe I know it's crowded at Mike linebacker. They love Tui Alamaka. He's already there though. He's right. Right. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's one of the guys I know one of the guys that are there, 
but <clears throat> I mean, it would probably have to be Raritan, right? right. I, I, yeah. I mean, save short of McPherson, it's got to be Raritan. McPherson, I wrote down um, as well because he, who knows, he could could be a boomer and win the job. Uh, I think you know we we're talking about Mitchell Evans and Raritan. I guess maybe I didn't realize Mitchell Evans played as much as he did. He had a basically a hundred and if you took out the Virginia Tech game, which was mm-hmm. like artificially more reps than he would normally get because yeah. Mayor yep. was out. Basically, at a hundred reps at tight end for the year. If you said Raritan got that, I mean that wouldn't surprise me at all. No, right. That's a good point. That's good. Good total. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure who else would. Again, Raritan is the easy jump. answer if he didn't get hurt. That's, you know, not maybe. Uh, I mean, we I mean, Benjamin seen, Morrison. We haven't Benjamin Morrison exactly. He was high on our list until the Mickey thing happened, <laughs> and then it's like, well, how much room is there really? It's Benjamin Morrison going to come in and be as good as Mickey in a short amount of time? Then he could push it, but it's that's tough. That's a hard one to. Uh, yeah. And if you need to know more about Philip Riley, he is today's subject in the County Down the Irish series on Irish Illustrated, Tim. So that'll be coming up. Are you looking? Are you like me, looking forward to getting to the top fifty? Yeah, I'm looking forward to not having uh, <laughs> Philip Riley and Ryan Barnes in the same week. Not to have any spoiler alerts here because they're in the same position right now. You, uh, well, can can I have a spoiler? And can you tell me has Jaden Mickey surpassed Philip Riley and Ryan Barnes in Counting Down the Irish? Yes. Uh, well, it appears that he has. I don't. Yeah. Where's the delay? He. Yeah. 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 Um, I've got Riley. I don't yeah. know about yeah. Barnes. Thinks he's well. Riley's today, so that's if guaranteed. If Riley's I, I today, then believe yeah. he has. I believe yes, yes. Um, I'm, I would bet a fair amount of money without looking that he has actually. <laughs> Just from. Yeah. Okay. We move on to uh, CMU Pens fan. Which position coach, other than Harry Heastan, do you think will have the greatest impact on the on-field product in 2022? looking for a change kind of right for greatest impact um right like your yep, yep. presumption in the previous question is probably among the the new coaches i mean i liked watching stucky coach at the camp yesterday like how he demanded a lot out of sophomore rising sophomores and rising juniors in high school with fundamentals and everything um i would i'd go with chancy stucky for logical reasons too they needed a greater uh, I mean, impact can I take Reese? Is that sure. allowed? Yeah, whatever you want, okay. man. Then Reese. I mean, Tyler Buckner was showed some stuff last year, but didn't throw the ball that well. Um, and now they need him to be the guy. So Reese helping him get there is the key. That's a, it's a freaking key to the season. So yeah. we're going with Reese. No, it's, no, it's a good point. Uh, but I also think that, you know, if you <laughs> – if I could choose, I, I would Reese would be important too, but I would among the new guys, I would choose Stucky because he really has to, he he has got to get, he's got to get some people like, you know, and Merriweather and, and Colsey and Jaden Thomas up to speed. And that's not going to be easy. Uh, but I do think that Al Golden is going to absolutely continue the success that they've had defensively. He's going to bring He's going to bring a, a level of NFL football to, to Notre Dame football. And I think that that's uh, kind of cutting edge and some, you know, uh, important to them. I think Dylan McCullough could be a guy that, that, you know, impacts the, the running backs in a positive way. And especially in terms of hitting the hole and running between the tackles and I know, think Dylan McCullough of, 
feels the same way you do. Yeah, no, I, I know he does. I know, I know he does. We've talked in the past about how confident of a coach Dylan McCullough is. Uh, but you know, if I could choose, I would choose Stucky because that's probably the guy that has, well, that is, that's the guy who needs to bring out the most in his position group. E. Branson, will the rework special teams cost Notre Dame a game this year? I think the rework special teams could win a game for Notre Dame this year. Now, I imagine that T. Branson is talking about the specialists, the punter and the kicker. But Cincinnati led the nation in block punts last year with Brian Mason as their, their coach. So I think it could work both ways. But having said that, Long field goals against Florida State and Virginia Tech kicked by Jonathan Doerr last yeah. year probably are not going to be converted on the road by any of the current kickers on Notre Dame's team. Those were I wonder if they'd even be attempted. Yeah. Possibly not. And that that, you know, Tommy Reese is going to have to Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman are going to have to look at things a little bit differently in those situations at that spot on the field. You know, I think having just done a deep dive coincidentally on Blake Groupie for a publication, um, I think Blake Groupie's be- a lot better than we saw in the spring. And no, I would agree. And I think he probably has a little bit, he has more leg than, than maybe the stats indicate from 40 yeah. plus yards. But Dora really had a way. You could, oh, really there's no doubt. Bar to give it a shot there. On no. those well, we always yards. talked about, yeah. I mean, when you, when you stood next to Jonathan Dora, that was a big dude, man. Yes, mm-hmm. I was walking back from an anniversary trip on the bye week with my wife in the Charlotte airport, and I thought Jonathan Dorr was a different Notre Dame player. And that different Notre Dame player was Chase Claypool, is who I thought <laughs> he was when I was walking right. behind him. <laughs> so that's a big guy. And then I was like, why would Chase Claypool be in Charlotte? And it turns out he would not be. It was Jonathan Dorr. He was a legit, I think they list him at 6'3", but he had a stature to him that was yes. he, he looked greater like a than forward. that. Yeah, he really did. He was a really tall guy. Yeah. Um, good point, Pete, about that. No, they probably don't attempt those field goals. And so you do something differently on first, second, and third down when you know that, or when you're not completely confident that, that he has the range. But I also saw um, some kicks off the foot of group, groupie this spring where it was like, man, that's a little bit more pop. You know, we're basing this. If he hits that 41 yard field goal in the blue goal game, we're Oh, it's well, you know, any, I would, any, it was long uh, enough, right? Yeah, it was long enough. He pushed it. Mark, pushed Marcus it Freeman right. did complain about the kicking the previous week, and yeah. then we saw them go one for four. True. So I think that uh, was probably what informs our opinion. True. But, you know, special teams is all encompassing, and Brian Mason has done really, really good things. I saw somebody say the other day that Brian Polian did not do a good job as special teams coordinator at Notre Dame. No, I think he did a good job. I think he did a good job yeah. too. I mean, what, what, what exactly are we talking he thinks he about? Did a good jo- he thinks he did a good job too. If you want to stay on he, top. He like Dylan McCullough is a very confident man in his abilities as a, as a coach. There's no doubt about that. I, you know, I think most coaches have a lot of confidence. I'm not sure that many express it as much as yes. Brian Polian and Dylan McCullough. <laughs> But I digress. All right. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna we're we're going to wrap up with a question here that I've read 35 times now. And I still don't know how to answer it. So that's why I'm gonna ask it. So I want to preface it before you read it, but if I understand the first part, I don't understand the second part. I don't I don't I can't. I I'm I'm gonna move on to something else today because I can't figure this out. 
but I did. It was a, it, it was somebody that I don't know that we've ever used this question before. So uh, ZMC Cormie asks, would you rather fight a Blake Fisher sized Audric Estime? Now, for those of you that didn't see the picture of Estime over the weekend, he's he got he's, bigger. He got bigger. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. beast like. So again, would you rather fight? Would you rather fight a Blake Fisher sized Audric Estime or two Audric Estime sized Blake Fishers? Please explain what the hell that means because I can't figure it out. It's just, it's a math question, and I'd rather fight <laughs> one than two. So I'm going to okay. keep it simple. I'd rather fight think, yeah, one, yeah. a singular Blake uh, Fisher sized Audric Estime than two Audric Estime sized Blake Fishers. What if I could use the two Audric Estime size Blake Fisher's inertia against them to somehow knock them both out? See, I could use that. Do you? What do does you that look like? What I get, you know, Blake I don't, Fisher size Audric Estime is if you just add, if you make Audric Estime be his, what he looks like physically, but he's 330 pounds and taller than a building. Two Audric Estime size Blake Fisher's, I can't figure out. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> You think you think, and we're having fun at your expense, or ZMC Cormy, but it's all it's all good. Do you think that he thinks? It, do you think it's clear in his mind what he's asking, or that he? I think he's just trying to confuse us, and he did a good job. <clears throat> he did a great Follow job. Question I'm, for next week. Yeah, I'm not smart enough. I'm. I admit it. I'm not smart enough. I'm completely baffled. Okay, uh, we are uh, a reminder. Uh, we're gonna. This is again. It, we expect it to be a one-time thing. We're going to push next week's podcast back to Tuesday, June 14th. We have some schedule conflicts, conflicts, especially if Notre Dame takes Tennessee three games, uh, takes Tennessee to a three-game series uh, in, in Knoxville and in, in baseball next week. But we are going to push our podcast back to Tuesday, June 14th. So we ask you to join us again, and we, we strongly encourage ZMC Cormie to submit a question next week, along with everybody else, our usuals. And, uh, and I do look for subscribers. Somebody on, on, uh, Twitter said, you know, you don't seem to pick a lot of the questions from, from Twitter. And I, you know, admitted to the guy in a direct message that, yeah, we're going to favor our subscribers over people that are just, uh, you know, sending in questions from, from Twitter. So, we're encouraging everybody, but especially those that we haven't asked, uh, used a lot of questions from, from current Irish Illustrated subscribers. So here I am again, encouraging you to subscribe to irisillustrated.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.